Hey friends, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. You're listening to episode 33 and this is Heather and again this is where Micah and Mercedes would say their names but they're not with me today but with me today is the one and only Mr. Avis, Joshua Avis. Josh is dad of three kids, two who have Down syndrome, and he's my first husband. He's my only husband. (laughs) And today we're going to have an open conversation about how Down syndrome has created our family norm. We're so happy you are here with us today, and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. friends, this is such a treat for me to get to welcome Josh, who is my husband of 17 years, I might add, by the time this podcast comes out. We will have been married for 17 years, and I'm so happy that he's here today on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome, Josh. Well, thanks. I'm going to set the scene for everyone real quick. Okay. Okay. We're in Hawaii as we record this. We will be in Hawaii when this airs, and um, currently, Mrs. Brown's Happy Sheets, Truly Star a deck of Uno cards are babysitting the kids out in the living room. Josh and I were in a one-bedroom condo. We're just snuggled up on the bed. So romantic uh, recording this episode. So kids may come in here needing to poop or well, not poop. Not in the bedroom. Um, I mean, we're just letting sure. us know. We're not sure what's going to happen. But at, with these new unedited um, episodes. It's going to be exciting. And we are in Hawaii. So here's the situation since everyone wondered, we are both self-employed. We both work for the lucky few. Um, I think I'm the boss, but actually Josh gets everything done. <laughs> but I think that's the real thing in, oh, in like a company, right? Like the boss is just like, Hey, I'm the boss. And then everyone else does everything. Let's be honest. Everyone knows you're the boss, but I don't do anything anyway. Um, And last summer, it's hotter than a tush on the sun in Redlands, California, where we live. And we were like, dude, we are self-employed. We don't have to be here in this heat. And how do we, we've always made it, we've always talked about making our goal to go to Hawaii. How do we go to Hawaii for two or three months a year? I think everyone's asking themselves that question. <laughs> Anyways, we started talking about it seriously. So then what we do? Jump on in here, Mr. Avis. Yeah, well, um, we looked at options. And uh, if we can pull off uh, having our kids uh, running a, a summer camp for our kids out of our home or out of a condo in Maui, then we're going to make that happen. So uh, we booked a bunch of miles on Southwest because Heather travels all over the place and we use our credit card for purchases. And then you just look and find a great deal. Um, also we didn't want to pay double mortgage. So we put our house on Airbnb. And so while we're in Maui, someone's in our house in Redlands, California. So that's right. And I, and Airbnb is a nightmare because if it's your home that you live in full time, because you have to prep your home for people coming to live in it. Airbnb is not a nightmare. Airbnb is great. We're in a great Airbnb in condo. Shout out to 
Kihei the Kids. Kihei underscore at underscore the underscore kid with two D's. It's Anyways. a great spot here. Okay, in, I'm sorry. In, in Maui. But so what's a nightmare is moving all your stuff, all your personal stuff, so that when you have someone else stay in your home, you want it to be a pleasant stay. You want it to be clean. You want it to be organized. You want people to walk into your home and feel comfortable. Well, that takes a lot of work. It was like a side hustle, friends. It was, it was literally hours and hours and hours of getting all of our stuff out and uh, so someone could come and stay. So we have a few weeks of family staying in our house and here we are in Maui. That's how we pulled it off. That's how we pulled it off. Anywho. Um, And we're in a one bedroom condo which is working out lovely. I actually love tiny tiny living. Um, Air quotes tiny living with my family. Okay so we, that's that. I'm so, aren't you all glad that you know now the details of that? If you have any questions about it you can send us a message. We'll be glad to answer. All right, so here's the thing. Today's topic. Okay, so I just had a book come out, Scoot Over Make Some Room, holla. And that means in the marketing for that. And with PR, we're doing a lot of podcast interviews, or I am. And I get asked similar questions in every interview. And one of the questions we get asked all the time is when we made the decision to adopt Mason, or when we knew we were going to have a child with Down syndrome, how were we going to navigate our family dynamic? Like, how did having a child with Down syndrome change the family dynamic that already already existed, and how did we process through that and think through that as a family when making that decision? And for the listeners who have been listening for a long time, you already know this, but for anybody new, Josh and I have three kids. They're all three adopted. Our oldest, Mason, who is 11, has Down syndrome, and our youngest, August, who is five, also has Down syndrome. Our middle daughter, Truly, who is eight, does not have Down syndrome. So that's the makeup of our family. So, and I've talked to a lot of parents over the years of um, being running this company and being the lucky few. And it is a question on a lot of people's minds when they first find get their diagnosis. Like, how is this going to affect our family dynamic now? And how does this affect our family dynamic in the future? And I know for us specifically, people are super concerned about true which is kind and funny, (laughs) (laughs) if you know truly. Yes, but first, um, can we just pause and say congratulations to Heather on her second book, Scoot Over and Make Some Room, that came out on June 25th, not too long ago. And if you haven't bought this book, um, go grab it, share it, buy it for someone else. And um, if you love this podcast, you're really going to love this book. So um, congrats on that. Thank you, darling. Okay, so your question, um, how has it changed, or how, how have we looked at our family dynamic? Is anything... How, go- how has having a child with Down syndrome changed our family dynamic? Everything. It's changed everything. Yeah. Uh, I think first, we have to say that our family dynamic is anything but typical or normal. And um, normal is a funny word to us, I think. Yeah. I think normal is a relative term. And um, so, since even before we had kids... Uh, we didn't do anything normally, it yeah. felt like. So, um, yeah, I think to, to add to that before going on in this conversation, just to recognize that just like every single person with Down syndrome is their own unique individual that's going to come into your family with their own unique needs. Granted, there are a lot of similarities and a similar needs. Every family is super different. So as we talk about how it affected our family norm, we're going to talk it. You just have to keep in mind that we are 
our own unique individuals. So like, for example, Josh and I got married. I was 20. Josh was 23. We had a year left of college. Each. <laughs> Did you call that normal? <laughs> I don't think that's normal. Um, we had a year left of college each. Someone was on a little slower track, not naming names. And then they're called late bloomers. I was a late bloomer. Then we said, what are we going to do next? And then we moved to Hawaii. Like we, that's why we're here. We love it here so much. But we bought one-way plane tickets, rented a little um, apartment, sight unseen. So that's how we roll. Furnished apartment. Furnished apartment, sight unseen. Spent our first day at the beach, our second day applying for jobs. By the end of the week, I had two jobs. Josh had two jobs. I mean, that's just how we roll. So obviously, bringing a kid into our our home who has Down syndrome is going to look different than somebody who is a little more structured or likes a little more... um, Control. Control. I like yeah. control. Yeah. But it likes a little more of a plan yeah. and to know what's coming. Yeah. So just throw that out yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And as we have met people over the years, you know, Mason's 11, so we've met with, any, our, with our kids, all three of our kids in tow, uh, you know, we're quite the scene sometimes. And people walk up and, you know, say something like, your hands are full, or, you know, they'll say stuff like, oh, wow. And, they have this reaction and it's become our new normal when people say, Oh, you've adopted two with down syndrome. And, but what I say, what we often say in our house is just, this is our, this is our normal. It becomes your normal as you start a life with someone with down syndrome in your life. And, um, and so bring it full circle all the way back to truly. Everyone asked about truly true, babe. Sweet, true. Um, this is Truly's normal. This is her normal. And um, what I love about Truly is, and I love about her disposition, is Truly is absolutely the best sister that is sandwiched between August and Macy. And it seems like the universe has created this person and said, what would be the, the best person that could possibly exist between August and Mason? And it's, and it's Truly. It's who she is. She is absolutely one million times. Um, she's the right person for this, and um, and she's the best. She's she is um, she's just the best sister for both of them. But also, she's a kid, and she there's a sweet innocence about her that right. she lives in this space, and it's what she knows. Yeah, um, and so. Yeah, I mean, Truly has only ever had a sibling with Down syndrome. She never hasn't. And so in terms of how that's going to affect her life, just like what Josh is saying, I'm just going to reiterate, this is her normal. And so that's that's what's so interesting about the question when people outside of the Down syndrome community ask it. It's like, well, there's nothing special about what's happening here. Um, This is what we do every day. And is it going to affect Truly? Oh, 1 million percent. And is the fact that we have two kids with Down syndrome going to affect each of them? Yeah, for sure. But isn't that just parenting? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think about there's so many different families. Every family is unique and different and the different ways and the layers to each kid and each personality. Is there, I mean, is there really a normal family? Is there really any kind of dynamic that you put a family together that doesn't have something that is, um, that makes them unique and special and different? Yes, and I just have to pause for a second and say that I just heard a, a can pop, you know, like it's opening like a soda can, but it better be sparkly water, truly star Avis, and she knows she needs to ask. You can hear the other room. And 100% truly is the only one with the gross motor, the fine motor skills to open a can at this point in life. 
So that's a plus, right? As you navigate, if you've got three kids, two of them have Down syndrome, and you hear a soda pan, soda can pop open, yeah. I think, only one of them yes. is possible culprit. And I think it's a fair question, what about true? What about true? I think a lot of people who follow us on Instagram, who have seen our story, have, have, have followed along, I think it is a fair question. What I want to say is, come spend five minutes with us, and you'll see true. You'll 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 be with true. You'll see she is um, the most enthusiastic person about life in so many ways. She's yeah. enthusiastic. She jumps from mountaintop to mountaintop, and in a way, I kind of want to say true's fine. True is totally fine, but also like come along and and see who true is, how she's made, and. It's it's such a great. I mean, just the fact that she's in between the two of them um, is is she's better for it, but also so are they. Totally okay. And I want to talk about that. We're going to come back to that because I want to talk about when we decided to adopt August and bring a second child with Down syndrome into our life. Because I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners have already done that, or they're thinking about it. Um, but let's go back to Mason. So we find out about Macy, and we find out we're going to adopt a kid with Down syndrome. Did you think at all about how that was going to affect extended family? Because at the time we didn't have kids, so we were thinking about ourselves. But was there anywhere in your mind about like, okay, if we say yes to bringing Mason home, this doesn't just affect us. You know what I mean? Like it's going to affect our, our parents. Our, we, we have a close family. Josh is very close to his family. I'm very close to my family. I'm also close to Josh's family. He's also close to my family. <laughs> and so we've got, I have two sisters who I'm very tight with. Josh is a brother he's close to. And so did you think about that at all? Like if we bring Mason home, this affects everybody. Or did you not? No, I did. I, I, I thought more about the, where we were and the capacity for us to bring this little girl home. And uh, when we brought Mason home, it did come with a little bit of hesitancy as we announced this to the world that we we're going to be brand new parents. And I remember, I remember calling my mom and I said, you're going to be a grandma. And there was all this excitement. And then there's this pause and, but she has down syndrome. And, and so I think there, there was, it was maybe more about having down syndrome than it was about affecting the rest of the family, which right. I guess is the same. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, it, it, they're always, everyone that we went and, I mean, when you're a brand new parent, you're super excited and you're like so excited to tell everyone. I just, I remember telling the guys at my work, I'm going to be a dad. It, it wasn't a, but it was like, and, and there was a pause. There was, there was a pause that came with it. I think w- w- to answer your question, what is it that comes with that pause? It was yeah. a lot of thought that came with unknowns. And so I think it was the unknowns that, that brought the hesitancy. Sure. And here's the wild thing about a down syndrome diagnosis is that all the unknowns and the hesitancies are coming from ideas that have been fed to us through our culture. And we didn't know very many people with down syndrome. I was a special educator at the time and I had a handful of students who were teenagers and young adults who had down syndrome. And I leaned heavily on those parents at that time, but it's like, you think about, I remember thinking about, okay, this changes things for my family. You know, like if we are to pass away and this is a real question and a real plan that people need, that parents need to make period. And it's, there's a different layer to it when your child has a disability. 
or probably, or will most likely need additional assistance throughout their adulthood. Um, who's going to take care of the kids? And so then it's like, okay, do we ask our sister and brother-in-law to take this on? You know, do we ask our parents to take this on? Um, but here's the crazy thing is you don't, your kids aren't diagnosed at birth with like future drug addict, you know, or like future criminal or future can't handle, can't ever hold a full-time job or whatever it is. Um, like these things that are going to be really heavy and mean something to the extended family. Like you don't get those diagnoses at birth. Right. But that happens. And right. so it is an interesting conversation. Like, how do you navigate the fact that our kids with Down syndrome are going to need more support in their adult years? Well, their adult years aren't here. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what they're going to need. So you got to be, you got to plan, you got to be wise, but you also can't hold that real tight. You can't let the fear of the unknown that doesn't exist right. determine what the future is right. and what you do know. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? No, I I agree with you. Um, so, anyways, I, yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Babe. Well, I, I just think it, we've learned a lot in the last eleven years. With yeah. and there's so much more. I think we uh, we have so much more to learn. And I think I tend to gravitate towards those who with older kids that I get really excited about to meet and say, "Where are you at? What are you doing? And how has it affected your family?" Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like I watch, we were, like we were in Hawaii right now, like I said, and last week my sisters were both here with their kids and Mason has cousins who are close in age to her and you just watch how Mason has changed their lives. You know, like, like the truth is at the end of the day, when you've gotten from the place of devastation to the other side, which you will get to, which everyone will get to that we really are so freaking lucky to get to learn from someone who has down syndrome to get to live alongside someone who has down syndrome. So in terms of how it's going to affect our family and our family norm, it's going to affect it in all the right ways. Like we, it's such an opportunity to get to see humanity for what it is, the fullness that it is. Um, so I'm super stoked about it, about the fact that my nieces and nephews get to have a Mason in August in their life and that my sisters and brother-in-laws, you know, right. Get that. Yeah. It's all, awesome. Right. We all didn't plan it this way, but we're all better for it. Yeah. We all considered a gift. And sometimes it's harder. Yeah. And as I like to say, friends, when to make a freaking t-shirt that says this <laughs> hard is not bad. Hard is just hard. Yeah. And we do hard things. So yeah. Yeah. That, so that's how I felt with Mason coming home. And then, our second adoption was truly, and I, so you could compare it to like, if you're pregnant, you're gonna have another kid. I didn't think twice about having the kid. It was, not, it was, yes, we were having another kid period, you yeah. know? And, and we were open to a, a child with different abilities or special needs. And we got truly who doesn't have that, any of those things. Well, I mean, we all have special needs. Who are we kidding? <laughs> um, and so I definitely, feel, I, I don't know actually, and those of you who are listening, if you can comment on social media or write us a message and comment to this, um, if people who have a child with Down syndrome as their first child, is there hesitancy to have your next child? Hmm. And I, I don't know that even Mercedes can answer that because she also adopted and there's just a different 
approach when you choose adoption for your first child, you're adopting a child with Down syndrome. So let us know about what, what your thoughts are that, on that topic, listeners, if you find yourself in that situation. But we knew for sure we were going to have another kid, and so truly came along healthy, no different abilities, the whole thing. And then when we decided to adopt, adopt again and we found out that we had an opportunity to adopt a baby with Down syndrome, I was very hesitant for the sake of Truly. Like, if Truly wasn't in the picture, I think we would have five kids with Down syndrome. <laughs> three. It's true. We would have three. <laughs> it's true. Do you think, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's a, I think there's a possibility there. I think, um, the consideration that we went and, and prayed over and thought through and talked through and sought counsel and all of that around truly jump, you know, jumping ahead to adopting August. Um, that was our biggest concern. Yeah. Yeah. It was the biggest dynamic shifter for our family. And it's funny because now, you know, years later, the amount of families I know who have two kids with Down syndrome, usually one is natural born and one is adopted. And then the families I've met, they're like, I have 17 kids with Down syndrome. (laughs) Not really. But there's so many families out there who have three, four, five, Five. six kids with Down syndrome. All all of them adopted. I'm going to clear my throat, everyone. I'm so sorry. Um, But at the time, I knew one family, my friend Christy. What is Christy's Instagram handle? We're going to have it in the show notes. Thanks, Val, for picking out my Slack always. Um, what is it? Anyway, and she had a, a daughter with Down syndrome. And, well, she had a son, neurotypical, able-bodied, a daughter with Down syndrome, and then adopted a daughter with Down syndrome. And I had watched them, CJ Picks, at CJ Picks. And I remember reaching out to her and being like, what do you think about this? Because she was the only person I knew who had two kids with Down syndrome. And I think she was like, yeah, great. Have fun. Do it. (laughs) High five. You know, (laughs) like, yes, of course, this is a great idea. Um, but truly being sandwiched between two kids with Down syndrome is a real thing. Again, it's her normal. Yeah. You know, like, what are your fears? What are your fears, babe? Let's go negative first. Josh is a positive person. It's hard for him to do this. Did you just say I'm a negative person? (laughs) Oh, I you are think a positive I, person. Positivity is a strength of mine. It is a strength of yours. I am a pragmatist. Don't even say I'm a pessimist. <laughs> She's a fatal optimist. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think fear of unknown. And I think as we went into the, the what, what played into the family dynamic was uh, we don't know. And what you don't know, you don't know. And that I think. That was a, it can be, it can be paralyzing, but it, as we got into it and especially with Mason and, and we had to jump over this hurdle with some of her medical issues and she was a very medically fragile baby and then she got better. And then, I mean, she was just this, she was an amazing little girl that or I should say, uh, they're all amazing, but she had, I mean, she was very easy. Mason was a very easy baby. Then truly came and true came bursting into this world. And then with August, it just felt like over that time, there was a worldview shift for us that was starting to happen. And it was, and it happened, it's, it's happening right now with, with truly. And it's happened over the course of our, as we've grown our family, 
and I, I think that it's, it's not, um, it, it's shifting from positive or negative to positive, really. It's, it's shifting the way we look at it. And uh, if we can learn from our kids, if we can position ourselves as where's the opportunity here? Because if the opposite of that, it's always the opposite of, of opportunity would, I think would, would really be something you're fearing. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it like that and you look at it, someone gives you this gift and you say, it's not good enough. Um, it's the way you look at it. It's a worldview. It's the, it's, you have to shift the way you have to shift your perspective of what's been given to you planned or not planned. And I think that's been a huge difference for us. And yeah. so, um, now you embrace it. I mean, I think even on this trip, we've looked at each other and had looked at each other in the face and say, you need to embrace this moment. And we've had some really hard moments, especially with transitions, not related, but embracing it. So I think it is a little bit related, but I like talking about true babe. And also I just need to note for everybody who's along the journey with us that it's very quiet in the other room, (laughs) like scary quiet, but we're going to let it ride. Um, so I think that it's important to note that truly is she does these things and says these things that I think girlfriend, you have this, you have this thing innately in you that having two siblings with down syndrome is bringing it to life Hmm. and it maybe never otherwise would have. And that she is such an accepting girl she fears no one. That's true. She'll go up to anyone, like in a really beautiful way though. Like yeah. she'll go up to anyone. It doesn't matter. And, and she celebrates differences as an eight year old. She is celebrating the differences that she sees in other people. And that's an incredible quality because there are plenty of eight year olds out there. Trust me. We interact with them who are terrified of people who are different than them. Terrified of our kids with down syndrome. And truly she's just not. And it's going to serve her so well in the future. I'm super proud, proud that she is navigating the world the way she is. And I know that it is because she has two siblings with Down syndrome. Okay. But before, so I want to talk about a couple more things and then we're going to wrap this up. It's going to be a short, a short little episode here. Um, but let's talk about vacation. So here's something that happened, right? For the question is how has Down syndrome changed your family norm? I think you can let it change it more than it needs to. So for example, um, Mason came home and when she was a baby and she was on oxygen 24 seven. And prior to Mason coming home for four summers prior, Josh and I had gone to Europe and traveled around Europe by like boat and train and bikes and, you know, adventurous. And it, we said, when we have a child or at that point towards the end of those years, we knew we were adopting when we have a child, we will continue to travel. Like that baby will be a world traveler. And then a little girl comes home who's on oxygen and can't fly on an airplane. And we can't take her to Romania. You know, like we can't take her to Slovakia. It just wasn't, it didn't make any sense. And so then we found ourselves, um, land bound. Is that a thing for years? But we may do. And part of, part of, for me, when our kid came home and we knew we were having a kid with Down syndrome who had medical needs, um, we were going to, and I use air quotes, quotes here, normalize our family as much as we could. I was going to show up. 
And I think this is important for those of us raising kids with Down syndrome. We have to keep showing up. We were going to go to the park. Anywhere that we could be, we were going to be. Yeah. And as our kids got older, um, as Mason's gotten older, it can be trickier in certain spaces. But I also write about this a lot in my new book, um, Plug for the Book, because it really has changed me that our kids don't fit the molds that society has created. A lot of the social molds, especially, and it's stressful to try to fit them in those molds and to show up in spaces where you know they're not going to fit in like everybody else can feel really stressful. But I think that we need to shake that off a little bit. Um, There needs to be a little bit of relaxing of our shoulders as parents and being like, okay, so our kid is responding differently to this social situation and I feel really uncomfortable, but why, why do I feel uncomfortable? You know, is this inappropriate or is it just different? And if it's just different, then roll with it, lean into it, let them be who they are in those spaces. Cause the truth is the people who are interacting with them are going to be better off because of it. Yeah. So I'm, I've noticed that a lot in Hawaii. Can I say something really quick? You can say anything you want, babe. I just want to give you props for leading the charge in that. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are hesitant to, to embark on a, on a trip to Hawaii or to get on a train or on a, on a bus or go to the movie theater or go to the museum or whatever it is this summer and, and as you think about how are we going to navigate this life with our kiddo, I really appreciate that you are helping us forge into new territory. That mm-hmm. you, like, I just think that you've helped me, and I th- I've, I've heard countless stories where you have said, hey, yeah, but let's create space. Let's move over. Let's scoot over. You know? And so, um, I, yeah, just a huge thanks for that. Thanks, it's, babe, for saying that. I don't know if that's true. You should get credit for I it. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you, and I appreciate it. Um, I've learned so much from our kids. And I think that, so as we wrap this up, um, and we're going to take a break and go to our sponsor in a minute, and then we're going to come back and hear some good news. But I think that it's just super important to remember, as our kids are, are shifting our family norm, that that's okay. You know, I think that we're all afraid of a little bit of shift and do you say shift? I said shift okay. with an F. Thank you. Um, no, we're also no a little e, bit afraid of no E needed here, <laughs> at least not yet. And so I think that it's important for all of us to let, to let our kids shift our families and that, that, that shift might be exactly what we've been needing our whole lives and shift your worldview. And totally. shift the way you look at something. Totally. Which it has for me for sure. Yes. Is the is is what over the course of, of raising our kids, it has changed everything for me to look at it as a gift versus something we have to do. It's something we get to do. It's a it, it is mm. it is absolutely a gift. And we have an opportunity to we have an opportunity to um, learn and listen and and grow. And then share and say, come along and help others. And and that's, I love that we get to be in that space. Totally. All right, friends. So Josh and I are going to go have a date because my parents are in Hawaii also right now. They leave tomorrow and we're going to go have a date. Um, And it's time for that to happen. So we're going to start wrapping it up here. But I also wanted to say one more thing that when you bring a child into your family who has Down syndrome, 
um, we're not trying to make it all rainbows and unicorns. Like we recognize that there are doctor's appointments, that there are therapies, that that child becomes this nucleus of the family. It can easily become that way that other kids get overlooked, that you as a parent get overlooked, your relationship gets overlooked as couples. You don't get date nights. I mean, I realize that there's a lot of hard things there, but everything that you need Mm. to parent your child through the the thing, whatever, whatever it is that you're in, you already have. Yeah, that's good. And everything that your child is, is enough as they are mm, that's good. for your child with Down syndrome, for your child without Down syndrome, and that you and your spouse have everything you need, you already have. And just to hold on to that, that you are enough, that your child is enough, that you're doing a freaking great job keeping it we see you. G-rated. <laughs> um, and we see you. And let's keep this conversation going. We'd love to hear some feedback from you guys, how you feel like it's shifted your family um, for better, for worse, for what it is, for better and worse, because it's both the things always. Right? That's right. Optimist. Well, but we all, we all know it's not worse. It's not worse. We all know. We Can all we know it's that? not worse. I mean, the podcast is called The Lucky Few. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I want to thank Josh for being with us today. Hey. Thanks, babe. I'm a huge fan. This is fun. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be right back with some good news. All right, friends. We are back. And again, I'm here with my guest. His name is Josh Avis. He's my husband of 17 years. He's very handsome, quite a good swimmer. What up? What up? And we're going to bring to you the part of the show where we share some good news. And this is the part of the episode where we celebrate the things our kiddos are doing. And one of the things that I love about raising a child with Down syndrome is that there is a lot of good news. And so here we go with some it's time for some good news. Mm-hmm. Micah's gonna be jealous because of my singing voice here. I'm not gonna sing. All right, babe. Just some good news. I, I I wish I was prepared. I knew it was coming, and Everyone now knows. I'm like, I know. Um, I mean, the, the good news is we're we're in freaking, we're in Maui. freaking Maui. Okay, I got something. Go for it. Uh, if you follow us on, on social media at the Lucky Few Official, I was talking about how when we first got here, transitioning with Mason felt really challenging, and then I wrote a transition social story book. So this is some mm, good news for me. <laughs> Congratulations, Heather. Thank you, and. Um, Mason's totally into it and it's working really well and she's reading it almost every day if if not every day it's because I forget to tell her to read it and she'll ask for it and she's been transitioning really well we have our moments still but for the most part it hasn't felt as burdensome as it did pre-transition book so we need to do an episode on social stories and transitions yeah um, and how about Mason in the ocean why don't you share that that, that's the one that came to mind, mm-hmm. but have you shared about 4th of July in the fireworks? I did. You well, did. I don't know if I did. I don't remember. I don't think you did. Okay, go ahead. I maybe okay. did. It's going to be a repeat. That's but okay. it may be a first it's, time. It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, you tell that story first, because then it'll make sense for for my ocean story. Oh, I don't know that. Oh. Your ocean story. Anyway, Mason, for years and years and years, has been terrified of fireworks for her entire life. <laughs> And we've tried, like, we've got glimpses of fireworks through the window from far, far away. We've gotten as close to the car, like, driving up to where fireworks are. And she hates fireworks. And, like, stress is her to the max. 
And this year, she was with some girlfriends, and our friends make us brave, which is fun. And she watched the fireworks and loved it. It was so fun. Um, she was nervous, and the first one went off, and she said, and she stomped away. From, we were like a huge group, and she guys said, Macy, where are you going? She said, I'm done. I'm going home. I'm out of here. Oh, my gosh. She's the best. But then she didn't. She stopped under this underpass that gave us a sense of security and watched the fireworks show. And it was incredible. It was incredible. But what did she say to you? She said, Mom, is this my brave thing? Yes. Thank you. And then we that. looked at her and we said, Mason, this is your brave thing. After like the third firework, she said. Yes. Well, the second one was red. And she goes, oh, red's my favorite color. And then the next time, she, the next one, she said, Mom, yeah. is this my brave thing? Anyway, she's the best. Uh, I'll make mine quick. We we do have two other kids. They also have good news, but since we're talking about Mace, let's just stick there for just a second. Um, so the ocean here, we're you know, it's it's pretty calm side uh, of the island. It's not these crazy big waves or anything. But um, we're we're swimming. We're going down to the beach, and Mason's a little hesitant, and she's she's still not quite a swimmer, which makes her not a swimmer, and <laughs> she. Uh, walks out into the waves with us and she's getting more and more used to it and then she's on on you know she's kind of holding on to my back and she's on my back and we're going over the waves and the waves are crashing over her and in the past she would have been very hesitant to go that far out into the waves and to a couple days ago we're out there and she says is this my brave thing and I said yes Mason this is your brave thing you did a brave thing today and she's so proud of herself, so confident. And then today, she went on her own. And we she asked to go alone. She said, I want to go by myself. And the good news is we sat on the beach and watched her. And I'm, you know, I'm ready to bolt into the ocean. Yes, we're uh, ready, you guys. Don't worry. It's not like we're, we're just not, leaving her. We're not bad parents. But she did it. And oh, she did such a good job. And she's so confident. And she's so brave. And yeah, sweet and amazing. Fun. All right, friends, so we want to hear from you. Will you please leave us your good news? It can be something like my kid watched fireworks for the first time, or my kid just ate a bite of spinach, or anything in between, friends. Um, we would love for you to do that. So get a pen and a paper, and you can call it in and leave us a message and hear your voice here on the podcast. That's exciting. The number 424-442-9147. Call or text now your good news at 424-442-9147. Hi, my name is Claire Lambert. I am from Chicago, and I wanted to share my good news about my best friend, Haley. Uh, Haley and I have been best friends uh, for about four years now, I think. Um, and I have recently asked her to be a bridesmaid in my wedding in November, and she has said yes. Uh, so I'm really having so much fun sharing this big life moment with her. Um, I'm just really valuing her friendship through it all. So that's my good news. Okay, friends, that wraps up the show here for us. Um, so a big, huge thank you to our editor and our producer, Andy Lara, and to our other producer, our co-producer, Val Schleider, and to all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends, those of you who have listened faithfully and cheered us on, and a big thank you to Joshua Avis. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Darlin. Um, and please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As soon as this is over, which is in just a minute, 
please do that. Leave us a, leave us a review. It gets the information out there for more people to listen and for our narrative shifting to continue in a powerful way. And remember that you, our dear listener out there, supporting your loving with Down syndrome, you are a shower of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We here are cheering for you. And we'll see you next week on the Lucky Few Podcast. Deuces. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.